0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Fight Island 8, Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa, and Shaq is going down this Wednesday morning. Not Saturday not Saturday night, Wednesday morning. Fight Island Abu Dhabi, two welterweights in the main event. was supposed to be Hamzat Chimaya versus Leon Edwards, but we still get a great one between Chiesa and Magny, two guys that have been in the UFC for a very long time. It uh, should be a hell of a fight.
1: Neil Magny, since he's been back from this break, he's been looking the best he ever has. Three solid wins. And Mike Chiesa, I feel like he's a guy that's always been kind of You know, a grimy style of fighter, not the prettiest, but, I mean, look at his wins. He's got wins over Dos Anos Condit. Uh, so I think uh, Chiesa's a very underrated fighter. Magny's been looking the best he ever has. So it's, it's a good main event. I actually remember a few years back, when uh, Magny was on his suspension, you know, Kiesa did say that uh, he was his ticket to the top ten. So
0: it's funny because it seems like to me Neil Magny is the most called out guy at welterweight. Kind of like remember when Bisbing was at middleweight and every single person wanted to fight Bisbing for whatever reason. It seems like uh, Neil Magny is that guy at welterweight, Shaq.
1: Yeah, and they find out that it's not as easy as they think
0: it's interesting it's like what is it about neil magny that people think is such an easy fight because he's got like 18 ufc wins he's beat guys like kelvin gastelum um you see the current win streak he on, he's on he destroyed li Jing liang who's coming off a big win like magny is no slouch i wonder why people think it's such an easy fight beat johnny Hendricks back in the day like you said gastelum i mean, no slouch condit you know Yeah, no doubt about it. So look, obviously, we're going to break down this whole car start to finish. But before we do, got to let our fans know about our sponsor, Manscaped, because listen, listen up, fellas, 2020 sucked. And it's finally the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below the waist grooming, offering precision engineer tools for your family jewels and helping over 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. If you let yourself go in 2020 while quarantined, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean shaved in 2021. And Shaq, I mean, you know firsthand how shitty 2020 was. And now it's a new year, so there's no excuse for uh, not being, uh, you know, ready for any short notice opportunity. Kevin Holland style and Manscaped is here to give you a fresh start in 2021 with the perfect package 3.0 that has all the right tools for the job. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the lawnmower 3.0. this waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends the third generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow you need in 2021 It's also time to freshen up down there with a new uh, with this new year. The crop preserver is an anti-shafing ball deodorant moisturizer and this stuff smells unbelievable. And you're already putting deodorant on your armpit, so why not put it on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you're going to love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, little uh, spritz with, you know, aloe vera and hazel extract. So, you guys, make sure you go to Manscaped right now. Use uh, the code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at at manscaped.com. Happy New Year's to your balls. They will thank you, uh... Shaq, you've been pretty happy uh, with these Manscaped products so far. It's been a good uh, couple of months now. 100%. No
1: complaints. Best products on the market. I, I swear by them. So, 100%.
0: Hit up our sponsor, Manscaped.com. Use the promo code BATTLE20, all caps, BATTLE20, for 20% off and free shipping. Now, Shaq, let's get right down to business, because first up in the flyweight division, we got uh, two UFC debutantes. We got Victoria Leonardo. She's 8-2, and two, and Manon Fioro is 5-1. and one. Currently, they got Manon Fioro, minus 200. The comeback on Victoria Leonardo is plus 170, so victoria leonardo she won on contender series she was a big underdog uh she goes out there and when she got that fight to the mat she smashed chelsea hackett and uh dana white even said like look you fought a very one-dimensional fighter but i can't hold that against you so welcome to the ufc and i gotta say victoria leonardo's definitely got the experience advantage here i mean she's been in there in invicta with some tough competition been in there with miranda maverick with aaron blanchfield with all these chicks but same time Shaq. she's losing to all the top competition that, that she's fighting and uh minon fioro i'm not gonna sit here and say she's frenchy and i mean look she does go out there throw sidekicks and she is a pretty uh you know intimidating striker for that weight class but w- we gotta see what the deal is on the ufc level um because i do have questions about what happens if she gets taken down but at the same time kind of like when yan fought kylan kern kylan had fought the better competition up until that point so I think Victoria's got a pass. She's tough. She's got to get this to the map. But if she doesn't, I just see Manon kind of outstriking her and just being the more well-rounded uh, mixed martial artist. So I'm going to go with the favorite Manon Fioro, Shaq.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm always a little suspect with those debutant female fighters, especially against people like Leonardo, who has paid her due. She's been in there with Miranda Maverick Blanchfield. Got knocked out against Blanchfield, if I'm not mistaken. Um but you know, sometimes some of these girls on, on that local scene—they haven't really been in you know, grimy, gritty type of fights where they got to press against the cage and and work back and forth and transition. So who knows? I I do think there is some value on Leonardo. I wouldn't be shocked if she can get this fight one to one going into the third round. You know, like in most female fights in that division, and, and possibly get you some value uh, on on the on the scorecards possibly. So. I think it's a darker pet for for betting uh for from a betting perspective but we'll see.
0: Now, next up in the Bantamweight White division we got Umar Nurmagomedov he's 12 and 0 and Sergey Mirazov is 16 and 3. Currently they got Umar Nurmagomedov minus 525 the comeback on Sergey Mirazov is plus 415. Usually when you see records like this I'm thinking a pick 'em line. Uh, do you agree with Umar being, you know, in the minus 500s do you think he's got that big of an edge here over Mirazov?
1: Well, uh, I'm under the impression that you know some people think it's Khabib that's fighting. So you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Umar he's very talented. I, I've seen him fight in PFL. Super good scrambles. Kind of reminds me of uh, Sae Nurmagomedov, more of a kickboxer with the wrestling mixed in. I I think he'll get the job done, but by decision, you. Uh, Murazov is no slouch. I'm. I mean, he, you know, he's got a good record. He's paid his way here. And Russians, you know, Russian versus Russian, they can might respect each other, and this could become a slow fight sometimes. And you don't want to be any part of that when you got minus 500. I, I do think Umar's the more talented guy, more, more well-rounded skill set, so I'll take him for the win here.
0: Yeah, it's funny because if you're expecting, you know, if you're playing DraftKings, you're expecting your Magomedov to come out here and score like 10 takedowns. You might be in for a surprise when you see him come out here and stand because he doesn't fight like Habib. They might have the same last name. They might allegedly be cousins, but uh, he fights completely different. And Sergei was a one champion. He's no slouch either. So I think the line should be a little bit closer, but I still kind of go, got to go with Umar via Russian coast here. So I'm going to pick the favorite. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a prospect showdown between Mike Davis. He's eight and two, and Mason Jones, the Cage Warriors double champ, is 10-0. and 0. Currently, they got Mike Davis minus 160. The comeback on Mason Jones is plus 140. Shaq, I mean, they've thrown Mike Davis uh to the Wolves, man. I mean, contender series, he fought Sodiq Yusuf, which by the way, that fight got six million views. UFC debut goes in there against the the welterweight number one contender, Gilbert Durinho. So as you know as good as mason jones is this is a step down in competition actually from so and gilbert burns so you think uh mike davis you know here with a full training camp because by the way that thomas gifford fight where he killed the guy you took that on five day short notice you think here with a full camp we're going to see the best mike davis we've ever seen
1: i'm looking very forward to this fight mason jones you know i respect the cage warriors champions i'm they come into the UFC, and they usually come uh, and, and put in work. So I respect Mason Jones, a Welsh guy like Shore, like like Brett Johns. Very well-rounded skill set. I don't think he's necessarily, like, overwhelmingly good anywhere, but just solid everywhere. Good grappling, black belt, decent boxing, good cardio, good pressure. Mike Davis, on the other hand, I, I think his physical attribute low Mason Jones out the water in terms of just power, speed. You know, ferociousness, experience in the UFC, you know, 15 minutes with Sadiq Yusuf. Although he did get his ass beat by Gilbert Burns, um, Gilbert Burns is number one contender, He developed into a number one contender at 170 pounds. Mike Davis has paid his dues, in my opinion, Daniel. You know, I think this line started up at a minus two, something like that, and now it's and I get it. Mason Jones is a solid guy. I think Mason Jones will go on to win a lot of UFC fights, but I think his competition in cage warriors, you know, my bad. I think uh, it's kind of like KSW. Like if you really look into the guy's records that he's been fighting on paper, they look good. But when you really watch the fights, like it just doesn't match up in my opinion. I, I think my uh, Mike Davis Although he didn't really fight anybody up until he got to Sadiq Youssef, just in those two fights alone, I think he learned so much. 15 minutes, almost 15 minutes with Thomas Gifford. That fight should have been stopped a lot more sooner. I think he's going to be more comfortable. And now he's full time at ATT. I think with this year off, he's going to look a lot better. I, I like the way he looked at Wayans, too, man. The dude looks. Dude looks shredded. So I think Mason Jones is, is in for a rude awakening, unfortunately. But I respect Mason Jones. I, I get why people are taking the shot that the kid has a very well-rounded skill set. And Mike Davis's cardio, if anything, I guess could be, you know, his weakness. Uh and you know, he has uh been submitted before as well. So But I'm gonna go with Mike Davis, man. I think he's paid his dues. I think he's the harder hitter. I think he can capitalize on Davis moving uh, on uh, Mason Jones moving forward and and rock him a few times. But it'll it'll probably go 15 minutes,
0: yeah. I mean, look, Mike Davis, that fight against Sodique Youssef, best contender series fight I've ever seen. Unreal fight. If you haven't seen it, pause this right now, go watch Sodique versus Mike Davis, and then obviously. You know, I fought Gilbert arena in his UFC debut. Just, you know, <laughs> that this. So to him, when he gets the call to qualify Mason Jones for other people, it's like, oh, my God, it's the cage warriors double champ. But for him, it's like, dude, <laughs> I went 15 with Sodique. I fought Gilbert in my debut. Like, who who the fuck is this guy? You know what I mean? So and I agree with Shaq. When you talk about Mason Jones record, look on paper, 10 and zero. You, oh, my God, he's undefeated. But and then you look at the numbers of the guys he's beat. You he beat a guy that was 12 and one his last fight. But that 12-1 and one guy, Adam Proctor, has got the most padded 12-1 and one record I've ever seen in my life. So you got to really look deep into these records. Um, but that being said, as far as the skill set, Mason Jones is tough. And you know what that means when you're tough, Shaq. You know what that means, that being tough, well, how do you know if someone's tough? Because they eat a lot of punches. And I'm not convinced you want to eat a lot of punches against this guy, Mike Davis, and keep walking forward. Now, granted, we have seen Davis fatigue at times, especially in that UFC... Uh, win against uh gifford but he did take that on five days notice and he got tired from whooping the dude's ass like i mean he goes out there on five days notice and absolutely mauled the guy um so yeah as long as his cardio you know his conditioning is in a little better form here i think he should kind of cruise in this spot and he's been you know training at att now um i hear his main sparring partners are jorge masvidal dustin poria henato moicano um you know, all, all these guys. So he's doing the right things. He even went to Tiger Muay Thai for a little bit. He won a scholarship in their tryouts. They they had like 300 fighters come out and Mike Davis won the scholarship. You know what I mean? That's how talented they thought he was. So and I heard also they got these padmen in Thailand um, who are like, you know, these guys are like 100 and 0 in Muay Thai and shit. And like they go out there and you know how when you're holding the pads, the pad holder doesn't hit back. Well, in Thailand, these dudes do hit back and these pad holders drop. The guys that you know are hitting the pads so apparently all these guys avoid the, the tie guy that holds the pads um they want they don't want to get dropped whereas Mike Davis was seeking him out like hey I want to work with the best guys I, I want to go in there and see what you guys have to offer so that, that's the kind of mindset I like and uh respected Mason Jones he'll be back but I'm going Mike Davis here now next up in the flyweight division we got a match between Jerome Rivera he's 10 and 3 and Francisco Figueiredo is 11 and 3 Currently, they got Francisco Figueroa 150 to come back on Jerome Rivera's plus 130. All right, Shaq, you already know the deal. Francisco, the brother of Davison. You know we love Davison, but this ain't Davison. But I I, got to know, man, is this going to be a brother tandem like like the Pettis brothers where, like, you know, one guy touched goal, the other guy made it to number one in the world? Or is this going to be like Jim and Dan Miller where one guy's a Hall of Famer and the other guy got cut?
1: Damn. My my boy Dan Miller had some good wins. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> remember remember when paul Her- uh paul harris that paul harris fight
0: when he head kicked him and started celebrating <laughs> Irby, like, the
1: fight ain't over but dan miller he tapped out uh john salter back in the day that was a nice joke but yeah francisco figueredo look he's definitely not davis and that's for damn sure uh i think that that's already established definitely more on the greener side definitely not a skill he definitely has some good jujitsu some good movement you know, decent everywhere, just decent. I I do think this line could be a little closer. Look, I'm not as high on Jerome Rivera. Like I'm not high on Jerome Rivera or anything, but one thing I will say in some of the fights that at least that I see him win, his work rate is very high. You know, uh, he's very active, whether it's on bottom, on top, standing, doesn't have much power, but he's very active. Figueiredo, we'll see how his cardio is. Uh, i will take figueredo for the win but is, is not very confident you know these flyway fights sometimes they can be a, a, a little tougher to especially with figueredo where we know a lot of this hype is based off what his brother does and, and you know he's not his brother and we see a lot of brother tandems where one of them's good and one one of them isn't like the tamor brothers like um lozon the, the lozon brothers uh who, who else uh uh, there's some more out there, but can't think right now. But yeah, I- I'll go with Francisco figueredo just out of respect for my boy Deus. But <laughs> we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing: I've never been high on Jerome Rivera either, but he does have some things going for him. Shaq mentioned the output. I'll mention the size. I mean, you don't often see five foot ten flyweights. He's massive for the weight class. He's experienced. He's been in there with some good guys, but he's lost to all the good guys he's fought. And I thought he won a massive robbery on Contender Series. At least I, when I watched it live, I, I thought Lazy Boy Rodriguez clearly won that fight. And it was even to the point where I thought Rodriguez was about to get signed. Um, so that was really disappointing that they gave that fight to Jerome Rivera. He gets knocked out in his debut versus Tyson Nam with Francisco... Um, You know, he's got he's got the Davison style. He's just not Davison, you know. So let's see how it translates in the UFC. I'm going to go with uh, Francisco because I think this is a very winnable fight. But um, I kind of got to see how he looks in the UFC and then we'll take it from there. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Dalcha Lungjambula. He's 10 and 2 and Marcus Maluco Perez is 12 and 4 currently they got dalsha lunjambula minus 135 the comeback on marcus maluko is plus 115 so you know how we mentioned with that mike davis fight that opened minus 300 all the action came in on jones well here dalcho opened minus 350 shack all the action has been coming in on marcus Maluco, who is coming off a brutal ko loss and let me just preface that by saying this um so you know how marcus maluko just fought dricus Duplessis. so interesting and interestingly enough Drickus Duplessis is like Dolce's biggest rival because they both come from that EFC fight scene in South Africa where Dolce was a double champion. He was light heavyweight and heavyweight champion, and I believe Duplessis was middleweight champion. So they always wanted to make the fight between Duplessis and Dolce, but then Dolce ends up getting signed to the UFC. Now now uh, they're sharing an opponent. Maybe we can see the fight down the line. But with, with that being said, uh, Marcus Maluco. I like the guy. He's exciting. He cashed a max bet for us against James Boknovic. He comes to fight every single time. It's just I think he's kind of outsized at at middleweight, and he does a lot of questionable shit. He was looking really good against Duplessis, good to the point where he starts getting a little cocky. He starts trying to do that Yair Rodriguez Korean zombie elbow. He spams too many spins. He gets bullied a lot, backs himself into the fence. I like Dolce dropping 20 pounds to uh, middleweight here. And, you know, he's always had the knockout power. He's got good wrestling, but now in his proper weight class and Shaq, he moved to the States for this camp. You know, he's he did it at Extreme Couture, which I believe and is there too. his last opponent. So he might even be training with his last opponent, which is like those are the kind of things I like to see. Like you lose to someone. Hey, let's go. uh, If you can't beat him, join him. You know what I'm saying? So I I like the fact that he's training here in the States. He's going to look a lot better. And Maluko's coming too soon off a devastating knockout loss, man. So I'm going to go with Dolce here to get it done.
1: It's a good fight. Maluko Perez, I- I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I no longer think he's UFC caliber. I think his style, there's nothing in between. He's got a bunch of spins, good chokes, a decent left kick to the body. But what else? You know, there's no, no jab, no straight. Anytime things hit the fan, he, he goes to the spins. He gets bullied. I mean, we're talking decision losses to Andrew Sanchez to a knockout loss to Duplessis. Absolutely bullied around by Eric Anders. Um, had the nice win over Fluffy Hernandez in Brazil. But Fluffy Hernandez was like what 5-0, and 6-0 at the time. Very inexperienced. You know, just because he knocked out Beverly Hills Ninja mm-hmm. uh, didn't mean anything. <laughs> um, so, as we learned about with my boy Young Buck this past weekend, but uh, I think Dolce is uh, making the right steps. Not only is he uh, at Extreme, man, he's working with uh, Francis and He's working with uh, Michelle Pereira. I see him on on uh, Instagram Live with Michelle Pereira because you know uh, Michelle Pereira and Johnny Walker moved down there too as well. He's been in, in practicing with them as well. So I think this guy's making the the right steps that he needs to make. As we saw on tape in EFC, we knew he was green. We knew he was more muscle strength than he had skill. He needs to clean up a lot of things, dropping 20 pounds. I mean, that's a lot of discipline right there for a guy like him. That means he has to be running every single day. He's got to be in in, in tip top, you know, shape as where Maluko, he's, you know, he's, he's trying to eat up to, to, (laughs) to, uh, to, you know, he's trying to eat everything in sight because, you know, he's got to keep that weight on. I think Dolce is going to win this fight, and not only do I think he's going to win, I think he's going to finish Maluko. I don't think Maluko's UFC caliber, man. I, he has no in-between game. I think Dolce just needs to close the distance, push him back, don't get finished, and you will bully him for a decision win, or possibly knock him out off one of these spins if you can capitalize. Like I said, the longer you put pressure on this guy, he's going to make a mistake, and I think Dolce Lange, uh, Lange, uh, how do you say his last name, Lange and Bula is gonna is gonna get this uh knockout win
0: man next up in the flyweight division we got a matchup between su darji's 13 and 4 and zaruk adashev is 3 and 2 currently they got su Mudarji 450 the comeback on zaruk adashev is plus 375 so right off the bat i mean i know that the fight is lined where it's at and stuff but don't, don't let the three and two record fool you he was actually 16 and a three in kickboxing and i think that this fight will primarily stay on the feet but that being said mma experience counts for a lot and and they call Sumu Derji the, the tibetan eagle but uh, as we like to call him Shaq, uh the chinese connor uh Ch- chinese connor is no slouch man very exciting tall for the weight class beautiful straight left very exciting striking good kicks um athletic, young. He's got a lot of experience and potential. I like this guy a lot. Zaruka Adashev. you know, it's a case where he got pushed too soon, man. You know, he was already in Bellator just a couple fights into his career fighting these guys that are running away from him, and all of a sudden you're in the UFC fighting Tyson Nam getting launched. Now he, here's Chinese Connor. It's just uh, – too much too soon i know he trains out of a great camp he's in there with ricardo almeida with Frankie Edgar, with all those guys so i do think he's going to be making improvements it's just that he's like missing a whole in between phase of his career where he's supposed to get that seasoning before he gets to the ufc so for that reason i got to go with uh sue uh, mudarji chinese connor to come out here and get this done
1: yeah i i, I agree so adushev doesn't belong yet he, he's skipping steps he was th- not only was he skipping steps, he had four pro fights and he lost one. So it's, it, you're pushing the issue already. Like he, he lost to one of those jobbers on the local scene. You know what I'm saying? So there it's kind of, I don't want to compare it to Phil Hawes in a sense, but something similar, like he, he's had four fights and he lost one of them and you're still going to try to push him to the UFC. I get, he was a glory striker, but glory, uh, he wasn't a glory strike. There's, there's like, Me and you both know this, but there's different levels of Glory Striker, uh, Daniel. (laughs) Like, you know, there's uh, there's Giga Chikadze level of Glory Striker, and there's Carl Roberson level of Glory Striker. Um, or I mean, for Christ's sake, Brian Foster even fought in Glory, so he's a glory, he's a Glory Striker too. Like, uh, Maurice Green fought in Glory too, so. Um, But, yeah, I think uh, Sumajari is going to roll here. I just don't see him losing to a 3-2 and two guy. I actually think he's going to switch it up. He's been in uh, Alpha Male with Chow, with Chow Nan, Jing Liang, who just got a, a big win. Team China is forming down there at Alpha Male with Song Dong as well. And I think he's going to come out here and actually try to hop around Adushov's back, maybe even get a takedown. I think that's really where the big major hole in Adushov's game is. You know, I think he'll look better on the feet just because he's probably desperate. He knows maybe his his job's possibly on the line, so he'll probably look better on the feet. Tyson M does have an extensive history of uh, knocking dudes out unconscious, so I, I won't I won't I won't rag on him too much for that. But I gotta go with Sumajari for the win.
0: And next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Ricky Simone. He's 16 and three, and Gaetano Pirello is 15 and five. Currently, they got Ricky Simone, minus 450. The comeback on Gaetano Perello is plus 360. Shaq, I know... Uh Ricky Simone cost a lot of people a lot of money when he fought Uriah Faber. But granted, he's not fighting a UFC Hall of Famer. He's not fighting number five in the world, Rob Font. I mean, Ricky's a guy that has a win over Murab. And as controversial as that win was, the reality of it was that in that third round, look, Murab goes so damn hard that by the time the third round rolled around, if you watch it, you slow it down. Murab actually knocked himself out with a takedown attempt. He goes for the takedown attempt, actually slams his head into the mat, knocks himself out that's why he was swept so easily and then he gets choked out so he's got good wins he beat Morab and took him down twice he beat Montel took him down seven times he beat uh, Ray Borg took him down seven times so it, we were talking about the Tamor brothers earlier Gaetano kind of reminds me of you know like, like another Tamor brother like m- more like the shitty Tamor you know what I mean uh, Shaq and uh, look, he can crack but his wrestling ain't the best he's been knocked out as well this is a massive step up in competition. as long as Ricky comes out here and wrestles, Ricky's winning this fight, so I got Ricky Simone check.
1: Yeah, I agree. one hundred percent. Ricky, take him down and <laughs> you win this fight, you know, hug his legs, grind him, left hook into the takedown. Simple, get this win. Ricky, you know, Ricky sometimes has a tendency to stand there and take punches unnecessarily because he likes to and And you know he probably will do that at some point in this fight, but he'll get the win still.
0: Ricky, don't be a meathead and you win this (laughs) fight. You know what I mean?
1: Dive on his legs and get the win. Yep.
0: Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Omari Ahmed, obviously twenty and five, and Tom Breeze is twelve and two. Currently, they got. uh, Where is this fight? I believe. Oh, here it is. Tom Breeze minus one sixty. The comeback on Omari Akhmedov is plus one forty. We talked about this fight before. Um, listen, I've picked Tom Breeze's last two fights correctly. I picked Brendan Allen against him, but KB Bueller, I was like, dude, no, no guy named KB Bueller is beating Tom Breeze in a fight. But now we're back to rank competition, Shaq. I mean, we already know Amari's a guy that we can criticize him gassing all we want. But the reality is, I mean, we're talking about against guys like Marvin Vittori, who was ranked number five in the world. That fight was scored a draw. We're talking about it against Chris Weidman. And we can sit here and call Chris Weidman as washed up as we want. But the fact of the matter is that Chris Weidman never lost his wrestling credentials. And even in the fights that Chris Weidman loses, he still either wins the first round of all those fights and... Or or he takes down every single opponent in the first round. So no matter what, Chris Widman, win, lose, or draw, is scoring takedowns every single fight. And that's just something that Tom Breeze doesn't have. Tom Breeze has two very good things going for him his sharp boxing. And then you know what is the second best part of his game is right, Shaq? His leg lock game. And you don't really want to go for leg locks against scary Russians. So it's gonna come down to that boxing game. So it's the sharp boxing of of Breeze versus you know the big hooks of Omari. I just think we're going to kind of get back to reality here, man, where Omari kind of, you know, bullies him the first two rounds, gasses out in the third, loses the third round, wins a 29-28. So I'm going to go with Omari. I, look, I respect Breeze a lot. He's a brave guy, came out and talked about his struggles with anxiety. I got nothing but respect for him, and I hope that all that shit's behind him. But based off his history, anytime he fights someone that belongs in the UFC, he loses. Omari's ranked. I got Omari.
1: Man, I mean, you hit that pretty on uh, pretty on the head. At first, I was leaning Breeze, but things are going in his direction. He did look good his last fight, but anybody in the UFC should look good against KB Bueller. No offense. Um, Omari Akhmadov, like, like you said, we can criticize his gassing all we want, but at the same time, Marvin Vittori couldn't beat him in a fight. Chris Weidman... Although Chris, we- Chris Weidman did get, did get the nod. You know how many times Omari single leg Chris, even though he lost in that second round, I mean, he chained together multiple single legs. It was a good fight in hindsight. Chris Weidman still got, still got some, some left in the tank. There's got a fight with the Araya Hall coming that wrestling with, like you said, with Chris Weidman. I mean, he can still wrestle. That single leg is a thing of beauty. So, you know, no shame in that loss. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Tom Breeze does have some UK wrestling a little bit. Does go to, like we saw in the Brendan Allen fight, he did get muscled down. And I, and I could see that that situation like the Ian Heinish fight where Omari just bullies him, kind of Breeze feels his power, becomes a little hesitant, holds back a little bit. Omari wins the first seven, eight minutes of the fight. You know, towards the end of the second, he might start to slow down and then third round. Hold on, Omari. So, yeah, I I, I kind of do see that, and I think that's where uh, the bet should be, man. Honestly, I, I don't think you can lay that much on Breeze. He's done absolutely nothing. All we're basing this off of is talent. Anytime things have hit in the fan for Breeze, I mean, he's folded. Brendan Allen fight. I know you remember the Sean Strickland fight back in the day who's, you know, whenever he fights this level up in competition, good fighters like Strickland, uh, Brendan Allen we know what happened so i agree man I, i'm gonna go with omari i i think he probably learned a lot in that chris weidman fight he's like man i probably <laughs> gotta address this cardio thing man um so we'll see I, i'll go with the uh, omari Akmedov as well
0: now next up in the featherweight division we got a matchup between larone murphy's nine zero and douglas uh de silva silva diondraj is 26 and 3 Currently, they got Lerone Murphy minus 300. The comeback on Douglas Silva is plus 250. So, Shaq, uh, if this fight was in Brazil, it might be a dog or pass situation. However, it is not in Brazil. And the flight from Brazil to Abu Dhabi is over 20 hours long. And you take it a step further, and Douglas uh, Silva de Andrade is fighting in the wrong weight class. He is not a featherweight, he is a bantamweight. So that being said, you think uh, the British featherweight prospect, Lerone Murphy, keeps his undefeated record intact?
1: This is a good fight. This is a good fight. Lerone Murphy, I like what I've seen. Went down to Russia, fought Zubera to Kugov in that heat in Abu Dhabi. And uh, did I say in Russia? It was in Abu Dhabi, my bad. And uh, held his own, lost the first round big, got dropped. But then he came back those last two rounds and capitalized on the gassing to Kugov and was able to get a draw, and then he followed that up with a knockout went over Ricardo Ramos. Ricardo Ramos is no slouch, and then the ground and pound, and I like how calm Lerone Murphy is in there. The dude is very calm. Like, even when he's in bad spots on the ground, he seems like he knows what he's doing. The issue is, man, Lerone Murphy, this is like, this fight, man, I don't want to say it reminds me of, uh, of a certain fight or anything like that. It's just...
0: What fight does it remind a, you a, of? He
1: was, uh, you know, he was a big underdog in, in. Uh, hold on, real quick. He was a big underdog in his two fights against Tukugu, not a big against Ramos, but he was the underdog, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, and now he's a big minus three hundred favorite. So now we, it's like it's a different spot. And those two fights. I mean, people were counting Leroy and Murphy out now everyone's counting on Lerone Murphy to win, and I actually do think it's going to be a closer fight than that line indicates, and I actually disagree with the 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 Douglas, I, at first I was agreeing, but then when I watched his fight with Hennon, I know it's Hennon Burrell, but Douglas De Silva put on a lot of size, man, like, uh, he actually looked, like, really big, and I actually think his cardio is not as bad as people think. I've actually seen him maintain good 15 minute paces. The Hen and Burrell fight was there, there was a 30 26 scorecard. And Leron Murphy has a big weakness in this game with the takedowns. Now, I know that Douglas Di Silva isn't known necessarily for chaining takedowns together or anything like that, but it's just a glaring hole that I see in Leron Murphy's game that if you shoot, he will go down. He works his way back up. But De Silva, like I said, I, I know he got his ass beat by Peter Yan, but that's Peter Yan. Like Peter Yan would do that to, <laughs> to Leroy Murphy as well. And he has a win over, a, a 30-27 win over Cheeto Vera. Um, lost to Rob Font. There's no shame in that. Rob Font's top five, if I'm not mistaken. So I I, I actually think De Silva's fought the slightly tougher competition, even though he lost to Takugov but I think he's fought more tougher, consistent competition over the years, a little more experienced. Leroy Murphy is bigger, 100%, especially with the height. And I think that if he lets his hands go, yeah, he can win this fight. But I just think minus 310, 320, whatever it is, is a little too high, a little bit too much dependent on a guy that's still developing. And and I feel like Douglas De Silva, even though he's a finished product, yeah, the record is padded and and all that stuff, but he's got plenty of UXP, UFC experience against good guys, and I actually thought he looked good in his last fight, man.
0: Yeah. Um, so you going with Murphy or what?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll go with Murphy, but I think it's a dog or pass situation.
0: I feel you. I mean, listen – I like Murphy because he went from fighting like nobody on his regional scene to all of a sudden, hey, here's Tukugov in Abu Dhabi. You know, and usually when you fight a guy with Ov with OV as the last two letters of his last name in Abu Dhabi, you go to a close-ass decision. I mean, I know Shaq remembers Muslim Salikov or Liza Zaleski. So Lerone Murphy got it to a draw against a Russian in Abu Dhabi. So much respect. And he goes out there against Ricardo Ramos, who was looking really good. And Lerone. Destroyed him like it was nothing, and not only that, like I already alluded to, Douglas doesn't do as good outside of Brazil. I don't know why. I mean, I know why, but I don't know exactly why. Like, do they not have the same testing in Brazil or, or, or something? Because, like, that fucking verified dude, like, what, whatever Flintstone vitamins he was on in that verified, if he can just get those to Abu Dhabi, man, then it is a dogger pass situation. But. I'm going to have to go with, with the size advantage, the five inch reach, the youthful energy. Uh, I think Lerone uh, projects further than uh, Douglas Di Silva does. So I'm going to have to go with Lerone Murphy uh, to get this one done. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Tyson Nam. He's 20 and 11, and Matt Schnell is 14 and 5. Currently, they got Tyson Nam minus 130. The comeback on Matt Schnell is plus 110. So, Shaq, this one is pretty cut and dry. I feel like if this goes to the scorecards, you got to favor Schnell. That being said, Schnell does not have the best chin in the world. And Tyson Nam, let's just call it how it is. He's one of the best knockout artists in the history of the flyweight division. Um, I mean, it dates back to even at Bantamweight. I mean, I know you remember that upset he had against uh, the Bellator champion, Eduardo Dantas. I know you remember back when he fought in Russia against Ali Bagotinov, lost 14 minutes and 59 seconds of that fight knocks out Bagotinov with one second left in Russia. Tyson Nam can knock anybody out at any point. It's just the reason why he loses these decisions is because he's so confident in his knockout power that he'll literally take minutes off because he's banking on his ability to land that one big punch. Basically, I'll compare his overconfidence in his knockout power to uh, Dusko's overconfidence in his head movement. And when it goes to scorecards, it'll, it'll bite him in the ass. But here against the guy in schnell who is extremely chinny I, I think he's got a good chance to get this knockout it's just if you're betting nam and this hits the scorecards get ready for a sweat but that being said i'm gonna go with nam to to catch him along the way and get a knockout so i got tyson nam
1: it's an interesting interesting because hmm, matt schnell when he was on his win streak, I didn't buy it, man. I, I wasn't buying it. I know a lot of people were taking him taking him in that Pantoja fight going in, and he, I mean, I kind of thought that was a a stunt in a in a sense. Not saying that like, he was gonna win the fight and he screwed it up for himself, but just the approach of that fight, I was like, whoa. I mean, this guy's that was like a Ryan Span, uh, you know, Alvy situation <laughs> or something like that. I was like, whoa, bro. Like, I thought he would. You know, he had worked his way back up. I thought he would have fought with more. You know, Pantoja was a top five guy. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, Matt Schnell, man, I'm worried about him, man. I know he switched camps to Fortis MMA, but the chin has always been a major concern. And when we talk about that streak he was on, let's just be honest, real quick. He fought Marco Beltran, not in the UFC. He fought way, not in the UFC. And he fought Lewis Smoker. I'll give him that one. Lewis Smoker finished him. But I, my gut tells me Lewis might have not been in the best place in that fight. But um, but yeah, I think Tyson Nam. I don't buy this whole. If, I, I see people saying that a lot this week. But Tyson Nam's got good takedown defense. He moves forward in a lot of his fights. Schnell's gonna have to win this fight by jabbing, staying in the pocket, picking him apart. Like, kind of like Kaikara France running away on the outside. And, man, I just don't think he can do it. I think Tyson Nam can move forward and and really throw. But, yeah, 100%. But I I see Matchnell getting clipped at some point in this fight and hitting the canvas. Matchnell, he he is fast. He does have a little bit of a speed advantage. And, like you said, Tyson, I kind of compare him to a, a slightly lesser Jeremy Stevens for flyweight that's like, you know, if this hits the cards, yeah, his history on the cards isn't good. It's actually very bad, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I'm gonna go with Tyson Nam though. I, I don't like the approach of Machnell in that last fight. It was very alarming to me. And I know Tyson Nam um, lost to Kaikar France and Sergio Pettis, but those guys are top. were top 10 at some point. Kaikar, I mean, Kaikar France is right on that borderline. So, um, and, and I think if if that fight was in Vegas, personally, it could have been a lot closer, but it was in it was in Spark Arena, so you already know the deal there. Um, but I'll go with Tyson Nam for the knockout one.
0: Just ask my boy Piva what it's like fighting. Uh, yeah, Kai Kara down under. You know what I'm saying? You fight Kai Kara down under, you better kill the guy, or else you're losing a decision. That's just uh, how it goes, man. But uh, yeah, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Roxanne Ferry, she's 25 and 17, and Vivian Vivi Araujo is nine and two currently they got VVR Ujo -330 the comeback on Roxanne Mataferri is plus +270 listen i got to give Roxanne Modafari a lot of credit cuz i know Shaq remembers back in 2010 all the way to 2013 Roxanne Modafari was considered the laughing stock of the women's division she lost six fights in a row she even got slam k.o would more than once people were like oh Roxanne Modafari that's the easiest fight on the roster she put her head down, grinded. Now she's top 10 in the world. So if that's not perseverance, I don't know what is. So I got nothing but respect for Roxanne Mataferi. And I know people got burnt on Antonina Shevchenko in Russia. I know people got burnt on Macy Barber. I know people got burnt on Andrea Lee. That being said, Vivi presents a different challenge, man. I like what I've seen from Vivi Aruja. Takes the UFC debut on a week short notice. Comes out there, gets a one-punch knockout, which you don't often see in that weight class very athletic footwork. Um, The takedown defense is on point. It's got a winner's mindset. I like this girl a lot. So as much praise as I have for Roxanne, I'm still leaning with the favorite here, man. I feel like Vivi's the more athletic girl. And I I, I just see her, you know, going further in the rankings, man. So much respect to Roxanne, what she's accomplished. I I tip my cap to her all day, but I'm going Vivi here to get it done, Shaq.
1: I really like VV. I feel like she paid her dues in that Jessica I fight. Things didn't go her way. But we do know that Jessica I, when she is anywhere near her best, she does have wins over VV, Chukagian, um, which is super important in that weight class. So, I mean, if you can beat Chukagian, you, you got my respect. Um, so there's no shame in that loss, bounced back very nicely against montana i thought that was actually a very great a good perform- i can't say great but just a, a very solid performance i thought de la rosa looked the best she had and, and vv just the movement the the power the speed the cardio maintained that was always my big issue with vv was her cardio because in that alexis davis fight you know i better i, I better bet in the i better in that spot and she kind of fatigued in that fight and thing's kind of got a little sloppy and that was also the reason why she lost to Jessica. Ai. But it seems like those uh that issue has been addressed a little bit. Metafairy, you know, and Ferry, she's going to move forward. She's going to look to grapple, but VV's, a, if I'm not mistaken, a jiu-jitsu world champion. So uh good luck good luck there uh Roxanne. But Roxanne's got some underrated boxing too. That's really where the uh the fight is going to come down to how far, how far is this gap in the striking? Do we really have this big edge where if we touch her a couple times, she's going to get wobbled and and dropped and things like that? Or is uh, Roxanne Mataferi going to make this a lot closer in the standup and and possibly fatigue VV and drag her into the late rounds? But let's just be honest here. I know you saw that Lauren Murphy fight and Lauren Murphy wobbled her um, made her do a chicken dance. Jennifer Maya also rocked her. Um, I think what, what it is, is when the, the, when the chicks are just obviously overrated and haven't really paid their dues like Antonina Shevchenko and, and Macy Barber. Antonina Shevchenko wasn't really that impressive in my opinion. And Macy Barber, her only wins were against Jillian Robertson. Um, JJ Aldridge, JJ Aldridge, in which she looked bad for a round, and Hannah Cypher. So things kind of make sense in hindsight of why Roxanne Modafferi. I mean, she was just getting flat out disrespected in spots that she shouldn't have. But anytime she fights anyone established that's paid their dues, like Maya, like Lauren Murphy, I I think we see what ends up happening. She ends up being a stepping a stepping stone for these, uh, for these fighters. So I, I see that happening again on Saturday night. Um Roxanne Modafferi, look, I compared to Andre Arlovski. I mean, you know, they, they're in the uh, they, they they're in their little club. Every time we think uh, we think they're gonna get absolutely destroyed, they uh, end up coming back. But I got Viviani Arujo and Andrea Lee, bro. Andrea Lee can't stuff a takedown to save her life. So I mean, I got a uh, Vivian.
0: And real quick before we uh, talk about the featured bout, just gotta ask all our fans listening right now, all eighty of you do us a favor, hit that like button and hit that subscribe button. It helps out the show. It helps out us. helps out half the battle. So thank you guys very much. Hit that like and subscribe. Now, Shaq, the featured bout in the light heavyweight division. And I never thought that this would be the featured bout, but it is. And it's funny because this... Watch this be like a really entertaining one round fight, and then Mick and Sean are going to look like geniuses putting this where they put it on the card. But, anyways, we got Ike Villanueva. He's 16 and 11, taking on Vinicius Mamuch Moreira, who's nine and four. And by the way, Mamuch means mammoth in Portuguese. Isaac Villanueva is minus 140. The comeback on Vinicius Moreira is plus 120. So, I, I got questions about Mamuch. I mean, I got questions about both guys, but my question about Mamuch is this. Because, like, he was, like, kind of on a run prior to to making that UFC debut, and he was, like, submitting a bunch of people. You think maybe the drug testing fucked him up a little bit? Because I know he just tested positive for something recently, but they gave him, like, a pass. He's back on this card. Because, like, he goes on, like, this big run, then he makes it to the UFC. He gets stopped in the first round every single fight. Um, So, I, I don't know. Shaq, Sha- what what do you kind of think, man? I mean, was he just not ready this whole time, or was he on uh, – you know, veto uh, I'll vitamins.
1: Tell, I'll tell you what it is. He sucks. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But I think Mamooch is a one dimensional fighter. He's got the black belt in jujitsu, but he can't take a punch. Sometimes he is. But if you go back uh, to his fights and he was fighting in India, um, I forget the promotion, but Sarah Froda fought the girl with all the tats. Um, brave? No, nah, not brave. Like it's in India super fight league or something like that. It's on MTV, actually. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, Superfile League.
1: And, uh, and Mamooch would get rocked in all those fights, clipped to big shots every single fight. But anytime he got on top, he would just finish the guy. Now in the UFC, dudes know what you're going to do, and now they know we need to jump on this chin right off the bat before he gets on top of us. He was able to submit John, Al- John Allen in Contender Series, but if you watch that fight, I think what really happened is John Allen got so tired of beating his ass <laughs> that you know, Mamooch got on top of him, and that was it. So props to Mamooch, That's going to be his path to victory. If Ike Villanueva is ever going to win a UFC fight, this is the tomorrow is the day, and this is his <laughs> only chance. This is his only chance he's ever going to get. He has to clip this dude before he gets taken down. Ike, look, one hundred percent. Everything you see is just his journeyman jobber all that good stuff but he is tough he kind of got a tough break his last fight with with the beverly hills ninja he got cut and and the fight was over who knows who knows how that fight would have kept going uh if it would have kept going unfortunate chase sherman uh did his thing against him but we know chase sherman can chase sherman can look good against some dudes you know he, and he's chase sherman
0: tested positive too
1: oh really wow i didn't yeah. know that so he was juice, but I'm gonna go with Ike, man. I think the, finally the journeyman will have his day. I think he clips Mamouche early in less than in less than a few minutes, and uh, and and gets his first UFC win. It's not too confident, but Mamouche is like, man, it's kind of scary. Paul Craig knocked him out. Eric Anders knocked him out. Um, who else? That's it. Uh, Alonzo uh, menfield uh, Alonzo Minfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, all those dude, three dudes are respectable for sure, but definitely better than Ike. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way, but we'll see. So you're going Ike? I'm going Ike, yeah.
0: Okay. So this this is tough because it's like you got a jujitsu black belt with no chin in Vinicius Morera, and then you got a bar brawler in Ike Villanueva. So I, I don't know, man. I'll go with Vinicius, but he could easily get knocked out here easily. So don't be surprised if it goes. The- I'll just be surprised if it goes the distance, right? So, you got Villanueva by knockout. I'll go Vinicius by submission. Let's see what happens. Co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division, we got Warley Alves. He's thirteen and four, taking on Munir Laziz, who's ten and one. Currently, they got Munir Laziz minus two forty. The comeback on Warley Alves is plus two hundred. So, odds makers were like, you know what? Minus 115 apiece. How about y'all let us know who the favorite is? So uh people did let them know who the favorite was. And now Munir got steamed all the way to minus 240. At this point, it might even be a dog or pass situation, but at the you know, original line all the way to like minus 175, maybe even the minus 190. I-, I think that Munir was the right side. Look, Orley Alves, it's interesting because when he was on the ultimate fighter, a lot of people were referring to him like he was gonna actually go on to become a future world champion, the way they would talk about him. He even uh, beat Alan Juban. I know it's controversial in Brazil, but he still beat Alan Juban. He beat Colby Covington. He went the distance with Kamara Usman. So he's been in there with real guys. It's just that there's a big issue with Worley's game and that's his pacing. I I don't know what it is because he gases out every single fight after the first round and it's like it's not because he's not out here running his miles. He's got Anderson Silva's strength and conditioning coach. I know Shaq knows who I'm talking about, that big fucking uh, roided up guy. That's that's Alves' strength and conditioning coach. So it's not like Alves ain't running his sprints or his miles Or he's not in the gym. It's just that he goes so damn hard for that finish early that when he doesn't get it, not only does he fatigue, but he kind of gets discouraged too. And this is nothing new, man, from his first fight to his last fight. I mean, you watch that fight with Randy Brown. He dominates Randy Brown. But at the end of the first round, his corner has to come and like pick him up off the ground because the guy can barely move. So it's like one of those things where I don't see it ever changing. And he's still young. He's only 29, right? Uh, Munir Laziz. So he uh, surprised a lot of people in that Razak Al-Hassan fight, man. He looked amazing. I know Razak never came back the same after that shit that went down, but we cannot, we cannot discredit that performance. And one thing about Munir, if you go back to 2017, because I wanted to know how he does with grapplers, right? Because that's, you know, you're going to have to weather this early first-round storm. So in 2017, Munir Laziz fought a Judo Olympian, Uh, that trains out a Tiger Muay Thai. I'm not sure how to pronounce the guy's last name. Van Dijk, Van Dyke, I don't fucking know, but the Van Whatever guy in 2017, that guy's a judo Olympian. And um, that guy went for a guillotine attempt on Munir in the first round. And you'll know right away if a guy's tough or not. I mean, Munir, it wasn't quick tapping or nothing. He was fighting the hands. He was reversing position. He was getting on top. He was stuffing takedowns the second half of the fight. He was lighting the guy up standing. So, and that was when he was 5-0. and no. Now he's 11-1. Now he's had the experience. He's closed the gap. I think he's ready to have that kind of performance, but on the UFC level. And I watched his one loss to Eldorov. And, I mean, listen, Eldorov fights nothing like Worley. Eldorov trains with Habib. Eldorov's only loss is to Habib. Then he joined Habib's team. And Eldorov just kind of pinned him up against the fence for three straight rounds. Kind of stuck to him like glue. Warley can't do that. I- I'm going to go with Munir. Just don't get finished in the first round, and you win this fight.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much uh kind of similar to Murphy and, and um De Silva in a sense where yeah, he was a huge underdog against Razak. Now he's a uh, now everyone's uh depending on him to get this one. But I actually think this might actually be a good situation just because Worley Alves. We know that he's not the mentally toughest guy in the world. We know that he's a uh, a guy that likes to come out early, press you, punk you out, and, and get you out of there. Um but his losses are respectable. Randy Brown, James Krause for sure. Manu Manur uh Munir Lezez, he's just a solid, well-rounded fighter. He's solid everywhere in the clinch. But there is a ch- but in the hindsight we have to understand that Razak al-Hassan is a very one-dimensional fighter. I mean other than other than the uh power. I mean what's he got, you know? Um, and I think that when you I think now we're starting to see when you're out of the cage for two plus years. Um, not even with Rizak, it wasn't even health issues, but still he was basically fighting for his life. I, I think, uh, that changes you, man. And, and I don't think Rizak Alasani missed way for that fight. So we have to kind of take back some of the stock uh, off that win. truthfully, honestly, with Manula's years. but he showed some good, well-rounded skills. And we know the path to victory here is to get to the late rounds. And the style that I see with Manula's there is is a guy has that has a very safe style he just did that in his last fight he knew that Rizak al was uh gonna come out here and try to knock him out in the first minute or so and i like what i saw he put his hands up he you know he ate the shots he kept moving so uh, he, it lets me know that he can you know do something like that but at the same time we might have to come back from uh from a round down but we've seen guys come back from a round down plenty of times against Worley whether it be uh, a Brian Barberina whether it be an Jaban, I don't care what anybody says Alan Jaban won that fight um (laughs) then you got who else Randy Brown um so I'm already on three guys I know there's a, a few more um James Krause that's four so multiple, more than two, three guys have done this. I think Manuel ears and his coaches have seen this, and they can implement the same thing. So yeah, I actually agree. I th- I think this is a good s- situation, and I and I think, uh, but you know, I actually hear Warley Alves uh, joined um, Hayoni's gym. Him and Andy Silva actually. Uh, so they 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 work. They got Hayoni's dad in the corner, and, and they and they're looking in shape. So we'll see.
0: That, that's actually good to hear. You know, Hayoni's dad's a fucking legend. Hayoni's dad's like a seventh degree black belt. He gave Hione his black belt. So that's 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 a good sign. He's a, he's a red belt. Oh, yeah. Red belt. I mean, there's only like eight of those on planet Earth. So, yeah, pretty badass. Main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We got Michael Maverick Kiesa. He's 16 and four. And Neil, what's his new nickname? Haitian Sensation Magni is 24 and seven. Currently, they got Neil Magny minus one forty five. The comeback on Mike Chiesa is plus one twenty five. So, this is an interesting fight, Shaq. I mean, I think we know the early going. Chiesa is very tough to deal with in that early going. Um, you think he can actually come out here and finish the fight? Uh, you know, with a back take or, or something like that. I mean, he's finished great black belts before.
1: I, I really like this fight. Um, Neil Magny, like I said, has been looking very, very good since he's been back off his, um lgd dash <laughs> suspension um <laughs> somebody else tested positive for that too like recently um man i forget who it was but man who was it but they tested positive for that exact thing um and when you look at his wins against jing Liang, i mean that fight was over quickly i was like man but we know that lee jing Liang cannot be trusted as a favorite and in hindsight, what I heard from Li jing jing Liang in his uh post fight speech was that he severely underestimated the time that he needed to be in uh Las Vegas for his fight with magny apparently dude like you were right the flight is flights like when he goes to America is just uh when he leaves china is, is just he said now he's gonna address it and we'll see in the future so um
0: you addressed it last weekend
1: yeah yeah so he said that he, his flight time was just, he was done, at, like his flight, he was just so exhausted from the flight. So um, he talked about it in his post-fight speech. So um, I'm not sure if Neil Magney necessarily fought the best version of Lee Jing Le- I think he would have won the fight regardless. I'm not saying, but I don't think he fought the best version of Lee Jing Leon. Then we, the Robbie Lawler fight. Definitely put it on Robbie. But, you know, Robbie's got chains on those arms, Robbie. Robbie's a legend. Robbie's Rob, Robbie's one of the GOATs of, of 170. But, you know, Rob, when's the last time Robbie Lawler won a fight, Daniel?
0: I don't know. <laughs> it's Cerrone, which everyone thought he lost.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, you know. I think Neil Magny might possibly be feeling himself a little bit coming into this weekend. I know he's been whipping ass. These are the some of the most hellacious ass whoopings he's had in his career. So I, I understand why he's feeling himself. Then the Rocco Martin fight, things was a little hairy early. And then he absolutely broke Rocco Martin in those uh second and third rounds. So Neil Magny, I got all my respect, but in hindsight... I mean, I actually think Manny's just better than those guys, and I think Michael Chiesa is a guy that consistently, consistently gets counted out for some reason. And I know Mike's had his his uh, his, his washed-out days at 155, the Pettis, the Pettis stun. I know you remember the Pettis stun. And, you know, he made an ass of himself that week, and, and he knows it. I mean, he'll tell you that. I mean, that's why he's at 170 now, because at 155, he couldn't think straight. and. At 170, let's just talk about his performances. Okay, take out Diego Sanchez. Okay, anybody anybody would beat Diego Sanchez. Okay, but Carlos Condit and Rafael Dos Anjos. You know if you can beat Dos Anjos. I recall when a certain someone fought Rafael Dos Anjos, the fight was over very, very quickly, uh, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, I think Michael Chiesa has a style to stick to Magni like and. Whatever it is, we're talking about a guy that submitted Dariush back in the day. Like, this dude, when he gets on top of dudes, is a problem. I know you remember that James Vick fight uh, back in the, in the in the tough house. I mean, like, like, he's shown this time in and time out. The Trinaldo fight. Like, Mike Chiesa has some very, very solid wins. Like, he beat Dos Años. I respect Neil Magny. I think he's a, a solid fighter. But I think that this is a completely different style matchup than than the than the guys that he's been fighting. I know when, when guys like Robbie Lawler are out there shooting when you ever seen Robbie Lawler shoot double legs, uh Daniel. Is Lee Jing Leong known for his double legs? It, I don't and, know
0: why these guys grapple him. It's yeah, crazy.
1: Like this guy is known for his double this guy, this is what he does. This is what he this is what he does. So I'm actually gonna go with Michael Kiesa. I, I Neil Magney is a good fighter, but from the interviews I've seen, I think he's coming into this weekend really cocky. And I think that Michael Kies is, you know, he's respecting him. Look, I know Mike did say that uh, in his post-fight speech a few years back when he said Neil Magny was his ticket to the top 10 and and uh, and all this stuff. And Neil feels some type of way about it. And I, and I get it. I understand. And Neil said, when he was on his, on his suspension, he was, I mean, he said every weekend he watched the UFC, it was like someone was saying that I'm the easiest fight in the division. <laughs> and he was like, dude, what the hell? Like, I'm the easiest fight in the division. Like, and he, you know, he's saying Tom's out and them we're, we're a little hesitant on the matchup and things like that. So we'll see. But I, I'm going to go with uh, Michael Chiesa to get this job. And of course, Magny's got the better jab game, better footwork game. Straight right hand, better footwork. Kiesa knows he's, he can't sit on uh He can't stay in space with him uh, 100%. But man, I have a feeling that when they tie up, it's going to be a big, big difference. We're talking about a guy that uh, muscled out Dosanos and Darius. Like, that's very, very, very impressive. If you can submit Darius, like, you know, so I'm going to go with uh, Michael Kiesa. But, you know, Magni, he's got some solid wins. Condit, Hendricks, uh, who else does he have? Hector Lombard, Kelvin. I mean, I, I respect Neil Magny. He's got a very consistent, just steady, Eddie style. So it's going to be tough.
0: Look, you brought up some great points, of course. Uh, Kiesa very deceptively strong, and he's been looking a lot better since he moved up to 170, no doubt about it. As, as far as the RDA fights, I do have to address that. I mean look, one guy did dominate him, one guy got killed by RDA, but we know MMA math doesn't really mean shit, and also, look when each guy fought him. Uh, Magni fought him in 2017 when, you know, uh, RDA was done with lightweight. He was like, hey, I'm making my run at welterweight, and then he had five rounds with Colby, five rounds with Kamaru, and then all of a sudden it was like, uh, actually, let me go back to 55 where I belong, so Kiesa kind of got the remains after Kamaru and Colby kind of ran the train on him, man, for 10 straight rounds, so... Not not discrediting that win because Kiesa still did his thing and he looked fantastic doing it too. I, I just think that Kiesa kind of has to get this done in the early going. And historically speaking, even though, you know, I know you're right, Lee, Robbie, they're not really wrestlers. I mean, Robbie does have a wrestling background, but he's known for his his knockout striking. These guys exhaust themselves trying to grapple with Neil Magny unless they're like on Damian Maya's level. Um, so the early going, Kiesa's probably gonna take his back first round. Maybe gets a finish. Uh, I would not be surprised. It's just down the stretch. That's where I got the questions because I don't think that there's like a fallback plan for Kiesa here. I would be utterly shocked if Kiesa comes out here with like some calf kick game plan establishing his jab. Not grand. I, I know he dropped Jorge Masvidal. You don't gotta remind me. He's he does hit deceptively hard. It's just the process of with his stand up ain't the best, man. So I do think that he only has one path to victory here, and I think down the stretch that Magni can get off on. Um, that Denver elevation cardio that pace the output the jabs the kicks and then if Kiesa starts to get tired i won't be surprised if Magny even starts getting takedowns of his own but i think Magny you know after the first and second round starts pinning Kiesa up against the fence starts getting those shoulder strikes going knees to the thighs mixing in takedowns of his own popping the jab kind of mma clinicking him up it's just first two rounds got to be got to be very very careful and i think people forget that Magny's got underrated offensive wrestling, too. I mean, he out-wrestled Kelvin for three straight rounds in Mexico. Um, But then again, we talk about the championship rounds, and you'd think that a guy with the cardio of Magny excels in the championship rounds, but actually... Historically speaking, he lost the fourth and fifth to Kelvin. He got knocked out by Pons in the fourth. So the times we've seen Neil in championship rounds, he's actually lost. But we've never actually seen Kiesa in a championship round before. So I'm very curious to see what happens if this fight gets extended. I'm leaning with Neil Magny to kind of outwork him down the stretch. So let's see. Uh, let's see what happens. Now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So I- I'm gonna take it first. The the fighter to watch. So. I'm looking at uh, Chinese Connor uh, Sumu Derji, man. I mean, he's going up here against a guy with a 16 and 3 kickboxing record, and he's got the chance to extend his win streak to three in a row. And he's just a kid. He's, he's only, what, 24, 25? Um, he's very big for the flyweight division. I think he's got a bright future, man. So, Chinese Connor Sumu Derji is my fighter to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch?
1: My fighter to watch is going to be from England, Mr. Tom Breeze. I mean, they've been saying that this guy has all this potential. And I think this is the if he's ever going to live up to it, tomorrow's the day. I mean, I know we need uh, a lot of people from England to take over the torch for Bisping. And who's going to emerge as the next big UK star, man?
0: Yeah, uh, fantastic question. So. Now, the the fight to watch. So there's definitely a couple very good fights. I'm probably going to steal yours, man. I got to go Mike Davis versus Mason Jones. I mean, we got the undefeated champ champ from Wales, from Cage Warriors. Mason Jones coming in here with a a lot of hype, taking on this freak athlete, Mike Davis. Dude, you go on Mike Davis IG and look at some of the workouts this guy's been doing. Like When I tell you he is a freak athlete, he's not just a good fighter. He's also a specimen athlete as well. And now he's working with Phil DeRue. I just think that this fight is going to be fireworks. So for me, Davis versus Jones, that's my fight to watch, Shaq. What's yours?
1: My uh, fight to watch is, is going to be in arguably the most exciting division in the UFC, and that's the flyweight division. That's Tyson Nam versus Matt Schnell. Matt Schnell needs a big win, in my opinion, and Tyson Nam, this is the, in my opinion, the biggest momentum, you know, that he's had in his career in a long time. I feel like if he gets the win, just with his exciting style, you could, you could see Tyson Nam in a big fight. This is his last run in his career. I know he's like, what, 37, 38, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, you know, somewhere up there. So uh, this is Tyson Nam's last run. And this is a guy that I know everyone remembers when we, uh, a few years back when he kind of got blackballed and, uh, you know, with the whole World Series thing, things didn't work out and now to see him here man I, it'll be good to see him have some success Machnell is a very entertaining fighter win or lose win or lose you know Matchnell is, is going to be in an exciting fight so that's my
0: fight to watch he really is 37 i just had to look that up wow uh a man looking better than ever so that's gonna definitely be a interesting fight for sure shaq thank you very much for joining me thank you very much to all our fans all our listeners all our supporters we truly truly appreciate it make sure you all show us some love by hitting that like button hit that subscribe button you can follow shaq at mma genius 5 you can follow me at best five picks go to best five picks.com for the plays uh check out our sponsor manscape that manscape.com use the promo code battle 20 for 20 percent off and free shipping on any order Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We'll be back on Thursday to break down the real Conor McGregor versus Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Man, the rematch. Uh, six years in the making, Shaq, and up a weight class now. It's going to be unbelievable. UFC 257 will do a full breakdown of that entire car. So we truly appreciate it. Once again, follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow me at best5picks. Also, I have some written work available at linemovement.com. You should check them out, too. So thank you very much for your support. We'll be back uh, on Thursday. And until the next time, let's cash these bets!